Hey, welcome to New Hope Underground. We are coming to you live. Well, you're actually not listening to us live, but we're live. We're unlive. Right, Tyler Sturkey? I am here, and yes. <laughs> PT is here in the house. The Bishop. Old Bishop T. Travis. We got all sorts of nicknames for you. I mean, it's... Some of, them, some of them we can't say on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> some of them to, I don't even don't know because you don't see them to my face. Yeah, exactly. I mean, those are, those are private, and uh, they'll continue to stay private. Anyway, hey... <laughs> <laughs> just trying to make you a little bit insecure, sure. even though there is no truth to any of that. Sure. Anyway. Yeah, sure. Wink. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Hey, welcome to a New Hope Underground. And we've got a great show for you today. And we're doing a couple things different again. I mean, we're just kind of knocking out different things. We're not going to let you guys figure episode. us out. We're going to keep mixing it up. On the move, man. Keep keep the footwork going. Dodge and weave. Duck and weave. Yeah, you know, jab, hook, uppercut. You have no idea what's coming. <laughs> But uh, hey, hey! Thanks for joining me, Tyler. Yeah, absolutely. It's my pleasure. It's pretty cool. So we were, uh, we just got back. We were supposed to start recording a little bit earlier, but we got distracted a little bit. Yeah, I've not had the greatest beginning to the afternoon. <laughs> I went home for lunch. Everything was good up to lunch. Yeah, everything was good up till lunch, and my wife actually had a meeting, and so I was actually lunch at home by myself for lunch, and yeah, I come out and I get in. Try to turn my truck on. Nothing. Nothing. I mean, not even, not even the like, because I'm like, well, maybe the battery's dead. But normally, like, it does that little clicking sound whenever right. the battery's dead. Not sure. even that. Not even. I that. like open the door, look at the dome light. It's not on. So something, something's dead. So, of course, call my best friend Darren. Exactly. Like, basically, I was using the leverage of, hey, if you, if you want me to be able to <laughs> record the podcast, you need to come jump my my truck. <laughs> So I he, and I said, of course, I said, well, why didn't you lay hands on it? Yeah. yeah. But no. I need I need more faith, I guess. <laughs> Use some mechanics to lay I hands wanna on I want to lay it. hands on it. Let me tell you. <laughs> I want to lay in the stupid truck. I think someone told me once that the Greek word for trial or tribulation is automobile loss. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's exactly right. Absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, someday you'll get a new truck, you know. Someday. Someday. Over the rainbow. When Jesus returns, <laughs> then we will be in one accord. He's Yeah, one we'll, Honda Accord. We'll have a Honda Accord <laughs> in one accord. He's going to come back. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. But he's like, hey, Tyler, I got a truck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I got, here's part of your treasures in heaven is a new vehicle. I always, I don't know why this reminds me of that, but I always had this running joke with my kids when they would mouth off. I'm like, you know, Jesus is going to wake you up. <laughs> and the, it was just kind of a running dark joke, <laughs> but but I said, don't worry, it's going to be great, you know, because when you wake up, he's going to be like pop tart. What kind? I got all sorts of kinds. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know why, but all I had to do is look at a kid when they mouth off and go pop tart. <laughs> they, I'm, they, I'm they, that, they took that as a threat. <laughs> Did you really? No, I mean they took that as a threat because yeah. like Jesus is going to wake you up. Like I'm going to, you know. Tomorrow morning you're gonna be in heaven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because of you, mouth not you crossed me one too many times. Yeah. So, so like I could go up to them and say Pop Tart, and they. I don't know. It's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> but they might. They might. So, Bethany and Drew especially might. But read no read and Brady. I take that back. I think all of them. They they might know. They're they were all pretty much jerks. So <laughs> yeah. that's what that's what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Just just say. Jesus gonna wake you up, Pop Tart, and then see what they say. They'll you'll get that. All right, I yeah. will. I'll, I'll try it out and let you know. 
not sure why that came up, but anyway. So we were kind of we were laughing about your battery because it says it's a Duralast battery, but yeah, the last on Duralast on the logo was actually kind of worn out. It just said Dura. Yeah, like the yeah the word last at the end of it was like worn off or something. <laughs> That's I'm like, I, like that would be honestly that would be like a really clever way for their company to be like, you know, the life of the battery is expired when the last on Dura last. Now it's just Dura. <laughs> you you know it's on its last legs when the last isn't there anymore. I know. Why don't they do that? But I mean, that's not what that was made for. But we were joking that well, the last is gone, so therefore the battery's. Well, well dead. it's like, did you ever have one of those toothbrushes that like the bristles had the like color in the middle uh-huh. and whenever it like wears down to like a certain like halfway or something that means that that's what that's for time to well some of them were i had no idea like one particular brand i think like they indicated when the color's gone on like the top half or something you're supposed to replace it dude i miss most of life you know that because yeah. i'm just totally what's the word aloof well you know those, those kinds of things some of us take dental hygiene seriously yeah i don't i <laughs> never brush my teeth <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> now, there was a new report that came out that flossing is bad for you now. What? Yeah, that's right, because it irritates your gums more than it's supposed to. Huh. And, you know, so you got to be careful how well, much you actually Well, then it's a good floss. thing I don't do that. Yeah, it, it, I, hey, flossing's a hard thing, you know. Or no, that's not to, true. To I usually do. floss for like the first, like the three days leading up to whenever I get my teeth cleaned. Because yeah, I want, because yeah. I want to like trick the dental trick the hygienist dentist. into thinking that it's all good that I floss all the time and they never say anything. So, well, I, I tell you, when I floss is when my wife buys those little sticks that have the floss. You know, a I don't, to- a I don't want to get the actual. No, it looks like a toothpick, <laughs> but it's got the floss on it. Oh yeah, you know what I'm talking about. It's like a little shepherd's crook, yeah. type thing. <laughs> yeah, and that's when I floss. When they when I have a bunch of those, for some reason I just am enticed to floss. But I'm not going to get the string out. You know what yeah. I'm saying? That's, I don't know. I just see my, I just, I just see. I always have to floss when we have corn on the cob. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's just like, gets so between my teeth. Pe- you know, like a peanut butter drives me nuts sometimes. And uh peanut brittle. You ever had peanut brittle? Oh, I love peanut brittle. Oh, I'd love it too. But man, you talk about hard on your teath. Yeah. No kidding. Holy cow. Wait, pe- peanut butter is tough on your teeth? I just, I, I can't seem to get it out of there. I don't know what it, but oh. I don't really mind it because I like the taste all day. I know. I love peanut butter. <laughs> could, could eat it by the fistful. It's like, what did you have for lunch? Well, it was peanut butter and I still can taste it. It's pretty awesome. Peanut butter fingers. Just <laughs> dip your fingers in and eat oh, some. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't do that. I promise. I, I'm not like a humongous peanut butter person, but boy, in the right mood. Dude. Nothing better. Yep. You know, PB and J. I'm kidding. Anyway, how do we get from uh, batteries to flossing to... I mean, I smeared peanut butter on my battery to try to get it to start. Did it, you? It didn't work, so... <laughs> Where'd you read that at? I don't know, somewhere. <laughs> Same place told, told me to floss regularly. You also spray Windex on your achy joints. <laughs> <laughs> hey, welcome to New Hope Underground, and uh, Pastor Tyler's here. And the reason he's here is that in a little bit, we're going to be answering some tough Bible questions, because... We don't know anything about flossing or peanut butter, but hopefully we know something about the Bible. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome to Hot Takes. Hot Takes. Hot Takes. Hot takes. That makes me, I want to say hot cakes, but mm, it's hot takes. I could go for some hot cakes right now. That'd be so cool. We could, we could next time we have this, this feature, 
we should call it hot cakes and hot takes and you and I can eat pancakes. Yeah. While we're, while we're answering questions. Yeah. <laughs> hey, today we've got a couple of questions. Well, and if we need to rebrand it, we could rebrand it as flapjacks and hard asks. <laughs> I could, I could see us getting in trouble by saying that too fast, <laughs> but we'll, 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 we'll wordsmith it. <laughs> Anyway, all, all, all we are in agreement there is exact is for sure is some sort of pancake or French toast thing Absolutely. going on. I mean, okay. Wa- maybe even a waffle. There you go. Don't waffle. Yeah. yeah. On we could use the word waffle in there somewhere. Don't waffle on your answers. Mm. But definitely eat one. But waffle on your waffles. <laughs> okay, so this is hot takes, and what we're gonna do is every once in a while, and we'll get some other people involved too. But right now it's just Tyler and I. But we're gonna just kind of bring up a couple of questions that I hear you hear people ask sometimes or hard questions. And if you have a question for our next hot take episode or feature, you can email me at Darren D A R I N Hanson H A N S E N O one word at new hope church.cc. Or if you want to email me, you can email me at Darren Hanson. Yes, you can. At new hope church.cc. <laughs> I knew that was coming, <laughs> but uh, th- th- we, we would appreciate the questions. It helps. Yeah. You don't email Tyler. You, if you know Tyler and just email one of us. And we'll try to get to the question, that's for sure. So here we go. Now, again, uh, why don't you, I want you to say, before we even begin with the questions, something you say often, you know exactly oh, what yeah. I mean. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I had, a, whenever I was in college, a professor would always talk about this. Anytime we talk about big topics, you know, things like this that would be considered hot takes, like just tough discussions. And something he would bring up constantly in those discussions is he says, in life, we can have a sure word, but not a final word. Right. And man, I had to mull on that for a long time to really grasp how true that is. Like, I feel like it's almost like a delayed burst capsule of like throughout my life, I just continue to realize how true that is, that we can say true things about, it's not that we can't know truth or can't understand truth. But because we're finite beings, we're never, you're never going to understand the totality of anything. Mm -hmm. There's always more we can learn, nuances that we can have. God can give us greater revelation, deeper revelation. And so when we give answers to things, I always try to tell people, you know, this is a sure word, not a, not a final word. I'm not giving the final definitive answer for all time on this thing. I'm hopefully just saying something true. In fact, the way it was talked about is us talking about God, it's the difference between pointing at the moon and the moon itself. Mm. Our answers and talking about Mm. God is like pointing at the moon. Like we don't Mm. pretend that it's the moon itself. We're just pointing Mm. in the right direction. That's so good. And it's so weird that without even hardly any prompting or us talking about it ahead of time, you knew exactly what I was talking about. (laughs) Yeah. Usually anytime we go into hard conversations like that, that's like the first thing I think of because I just want to. No, it's really good. That's a great preface. So when we get into these kind of hot takes, just let that be known kind of overarching that these, it's just a couple, you know, a couple guys, we're not, you know, total experts, but we're just looking at the Bible reading and trying to do our best to to answer some of these things. And so um, first question actually comes to us through somebody in the church was talking about, I had a sermon not too long ago talking about Genesis 6, Genesis 11. Yeah. Kind of the second, and what I call second and third, I say I call, but I've got from some scholars, second and third rebellion of Genesis, not only the, the garden, uh, but then the uh, Genesis 6 talks about the Nephilim, the mm. race of, you know, people who were basically, you know, demonic. It says that 
these divine beings came and uh, took to themselves wives or women had children they actually bred with humans right and so there's a mixture there's a demonic blood mixed in with human dna yeah and trying which, to thwart the plan of god and, and and mess up the image of god as we bear it anyway as, as humans which is where i mean talks about the giants where the giants came from and because i think yeah. in genesis it talked about them being you know the legends of old the men of renown yeah, nephilim uh, actually means giant oh interesting yeah i mean that's what it is it's it means giant now some people have I try to meet, <clears throat> take it to mean some other things because it has some similar. If you, you take this, change this letter, or change that letter, uh, it could mean um, people who have fallen. Mm. Um, and some people would like to refer to that as humans falling in battle, kind of thing. But it doesn't. Um, t- there's a lot to explain there, but it doesn't really get to our question. Today. Sure. So yeah. What's, what's the question? Set that aside. But. The idea is Genesis six talks about how because of the Nephilim, the giants and the people, the, the you know demonic beings, uh, these these divine beings that were trying to thwart the plan of God and take us down with them, it got so evil that God brought the flood, mm. and so it says that the flood you know wiped everybody out and he starts over with Noah and his family, but then we find the giants, if you will, back. You know they're back. They're back in the in the mix. Oh yeah, because when Joshua is taking the land, right? The twelve spies go in and they say, "No, the the, Neph- the Nephilim are in the land." Yeah, that's exactly where we find it. Is it, and it says it word for word. Now it's in Numbers chapter thirteen, and we're get, This is where we find it again because uh, uh, they're getting ready to send after they come out of Egypt, and they're getting ready to, you know, the the wandering goes on and trying to the conquest is starting to start with Joshua. Uh, you f- you have these uh, Moses sends twelve spies into Canaan uh, area to figure out what is going on there, and they would come back. And if you remember, there was I remember this little song when we were kids. You know, twelve men went to spy on Canaan. Ten were bad and two were good. What did they see when they spied on Canaan? Ten were bad and two were good. Some saw giants big and tall. Some saw grapes and clusters fall. Some saw God rules over all. Ten were bad and two were good. <clears throat> and I always remember that, obviously. And the two good spies, if you will, and I'm using air quotes like Chris Farley, were uh, Joshua and Caleb, right? So uh, Joshua ends up, of course, being the leader, leads in the conquest. But here's in, in when they what the, here's what they report when they come back, when they see Canaan, is there certain people groups that they ran into, which were you know the giants. That's where it comes in. But uh, let me let me just read uh, some of it because it's really uh, interesting. Because here's the deal. Uh, we're going to, this is a good question that we're going to attack here, which is the question is, why are these guys showing up after the flood? I thought the flood wiped everybody out. Yeah. You know, if God was wiping out everybody because of the evil of the that was kind of you know brought to mankind and uh, produced with mankind with the, the Nephilim or Nephilim, however you want to say it, um, then why are they showing back up again? I thought they were wiped out. So that's a good question. And it's a, other thing, before I even read 13, it's a good question because of the fact that it's so obviously here in the scripture after the flood that they're there, that they're back. All right. The second thing is, <clears throat> this is an ancient question. Mm. You can actually find apocryphal type of um, extra biblical literature uh, in the from the Dead Sea Scrolls way back in the day when they're arguing this same thing, mm. <laughs> this same question. How, how did they come back? 
I thought the flood wiped them out. They were, I mean, this has been an ancient. This, in other words, we're not going to solve it. <laughs> yeah, not not a new question. Yeah, it's not it's not a new question. But in in, in Numbers thirteen, we're faced with this. Uh, it says, verse twenty seven. The spies told them, "We came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit." Verse twenty eight. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there okay now we're going to get to that in a second who the Anak are but the Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negeb the Hittites the Jebusites the Amorites dwell in the hill country and the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the Jordan when but Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said let us go up once and occupy it for we are able to overcome it then the men who had gone up with him said we are not able to go up against these people for they are stronger than we are so they brought the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out everything. The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we see in it are of great height. And there we saw, and there it is, the Nephilim. Yeah. And then in parenthesis, it, it describes the son of Anak. So Anak is Anakim, all right, which we find out later, which is descendants of the Nephilim, the giants. Mm. So it's a certain group of people who obviously are ancestors of what we talked about in Genesis 6. Yeah. So before the flood. So it comes from Nephilim, and we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seem to them. What you get to find in the conquest, you get to find several groups of people and several names later on of groups of people <clears throat> such as Anakim, uh, Rephaim, uh, even a couple others that I, I can't, that don't come to the top of my head. Several Eam. But if you, yeah, if you look through, a, a, you know, where I'm kind of coming out with a source is uh, helpful through a book called The Unseen Realm by Michael Heiser. But he's a, he's a professor of, you know, conservative Christian, a professor who uh, uh, is an expert in Hebrew and in Second Temple literature, you know, like extra biblical literature at the time, ancient writings. And so he's not just pulling this out of a hat, but he talks about all these different people groups, you know, that you go through. So uh, we know that they're there after the flood. So it's a good question. Why are they there? Yeah, no kidding. And there's basically, um, and the reason I'm kind of doing a lot of the talking here, Tyro's going to do some more talk on the next question, is just because this has been kind of a uh, in, a personal interest of mine. Yeah, you've I'm, been studying some of this yeah, for a while. been digging into it. So there are basically three views. And this these aren't just three views that I'm just throwing out there. They don't, they don't have some history. Like we said, this has been a discussion that's been going on for a long time. So what the people that were discussing it, what were they discussing? Uh, so here are, here are three of the views as how why we find these people after the flood. First view is this, is that is it possible it was that someone in Noah's family was actually a carrier? Well, that was the first thing I remember whenever <laughs> you had told me ahead of time that was going to be one of the questions. Because I found myself actually asking why are they still around? Yeah. Like if the flood wiped out everyone, cause I even went back and like, I actually have Genesis seven open in front of me and it talks about, and I will wipe from the face of the earth, every living creature I have made, which I thought mm -hmm. was interesting. And so one of the thoughts I had occurred, I'm like, so if it is only Noah and his family, which I know there are other theories, which you're, you're going to get to those. But then the thought actually occurred to me. I wonder if Noah's daughters, uh, husbands one of them or their fathers you know they, in other words they're kind of carrying the yeah that's Noah's, that somewhere back in the line that it's almost like a oh, what's the term the it's a regressive right trait 
that like right. DNA, DNA wise that they they car- they carry some of the descendancy of the Nephilim in them. And obviously the ancient writers don't know anything about genetics. Right. But it wouldn't have been I but that's that that is one view. And there's some really wild stories in the apocrypha about Noah was a strange child and the way he looked and he was different from everybody. Could have been Noah himself. <laughs> there's some rabbinic writings that actually said that Noah was a giant. Really? Yeah, now I think I really think you can scratch a lot of this up to mythology in the way that we think of mythology. Yeah, sure. Because I really, th- it, but I think it's people attempting in this arguing, ancient writers arguing back and forth about how this is, how this could have happened. Because there's beyond a shadow of a doubt these people groups existed before and after the flood. Yeah, we have to explain it. We're mm-hmm. trying to explain it. So that's that's one view. Yeah, that could be somebody in, in Noah's family that's kind of a carrier. Um, I personally have a hard time with that one, just because I can't believe God. Saving them and then giving them the conquest to go wipe everybody out when they were carrying it themselves. Yeah, why would he? And he would know that if anybody knows just genetics, it would be it'd be God. So I have a hard time with that. What would in the world his motive would be? It's more bothering to me than the actual question. The second view is this, and a lot of people hate hearing this. A lot of Christians hate hearing this potential. But is it possible the flood was not necessarily global? Yeah. You know, was there a more regional flood? Now, when I say regional flood, I don't mean like a couple neighborhoods with some big puddles. I mean regional in the sense of the known world was wiped out, uh, which majority of the known world was right there in the Middle East, you know? Yeah. And that's that would be a humongous flood. And not only that, but we have other documents outside the Bible to even talk about how devastating and final that, you know, the flood was. Well, even looking like here in my study Bible, it actually gives, because it was talking about the, how the high mountains were covered. This is in Genesis seven nineteen, And it says, if, if, if this includes Mount Ararat in their Eurasian mountain range in Eastern Turkey, then the waters needed to rise above 16,854 feet. It says a natural reading suggests a global flood. And some find this in second Peter two and two, five. The reference may also imply a regional flood, nevertheless possessing tremendous severity with impact affecting the whole human race who may have remained in one area. Right. Referring to like Genesis 11 with the table of nations. So here's the thing. When you read Genesis, it says all of the world, the whole world. But when you read the Hebrew, that doesn't necessarily connotate all. Now, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying... I'm not saying that I even advocate this view. What I'm saying is we need to be open-minded in the sense that it's possible that there are some reasons to believe in a, in a more of a regional flood. Sure, yeah. Which means that it's possible that some people groups escaped to some, or some people did. Yeah. And you say, well, yeah, but God destroyed everything and everybody. Yeah, he, he did, but when you read the word all in the Hebrew— it's used in lots of different contexts in the Old Testament that doesn't really meaning all. Mm-hmm. So in other words, uh, all of the known world might have been all, but that doesn't mean all the world. Yeah. Uh, Jesus, I remember to one time. The, to them, it was right. the, all the world because it was the known world. I can think of a New Testament example, but there's plenty of Old Testament examples. But one New Testament example was uh, uh, all the people came out to see John the Baptist 
at the time. I mean, mm. All the people. Well, that wasn't everybody. Yeah. Everybody in Jerusalem. There was, in other words, it was the, using the language in such a way as to describe how big the crowds were. It was were. just such a big crowd. Right. All the people came. Well, they didn't all actually. Well, you can find that over and over and over in the Old Testament with the same Hebrew word that is used here for all, you know. And so we're talking about the whole earth or all the earth. It could be referring, and not only that, but then you get into Genesis 10 and it starts listing all the people groups that come out after the flood. Mm. And these people groups, you can track them down and where they lived and where they were at. It was a very one general region. Well, I even think yeah. of the another example of the use of all is whenever Satan tempts Jesus, which we're in the time of Lent right now, and that story is often invoked during that time where he says he shows him all the nations of the world. Now, even the word world right there is the word ecumenis, mm -hmm. which refers to, because there's two wor words used for world in Greek, there is ecumenis, which where we get the word ecumenical, mm -hmm. when it talks about the world church. Mm -hmm. Cosmos. Yeah, and then cosmos, which refers to the planet, like the whole created order. But the whole world, that way Satan used it, was referring to the whole civilized world according to the Roman Empire, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which we know was just the, I mean, whenever Paul says, hey, I want to make it all the way to Spain, he thought that was the end of the world. Yeah. He thought if I got there, then we've taken the gospel to, Everywhere. All, to all nations. Exactly. And we, <clears throat> obviously we know now, you know, that the world is a lot bigger than <laughs> just that area. Yeah. But to them, you know, as ancient readers, they wouldn't, and they're not trying to necessarily, I think the thing is, Sometimes I think we get confused with, we think that the writers were trying to write something all inclusive. Yeah. But they're not. They're writing from their own experience and what they know. You yeah. Know? And here's the thing, though. I, I won't want to say this. That's the second uh, yeah. second uh, idea of how. I have an idea of what the third one might be. And if it's not that, then I might have a fourth theory. <laughs> okay. But the, uh, the reason that, that I think can be a real discussion. Um, I'm not saying that we're not talking about science here. Yeah, you know, we're just talking about from the scripture itself. I think you have to allow from the scripture itself that there might be some openness to the discussion of a regional flood as opposed. But I understand the arguments against that too. Sure. And uh, the third one, the third view, is really a grammatical uh, point, and actually comes out of Genesis six, where we first find the uh, nephilim or nephilim, if you will. I never know how to pronounce it, but if you look at Genesis six one through four. This is where we were first introduced to this whole idea of these demonic beings and so forth. Let me read that real quick. When man began to multiply in the face of the land and the daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw the daughters of man were attractive, and they took as their wives any as they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for his flesh his days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of man and they bore children to them. Uh, these were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. Now, look at verse uh, 4. The Nephilim were on earth in those days and also afterward. So what's afterward? So this was my theory. That was actually what I had wondered was, but, were the Nephilim there after the flood again? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. what is afterward? And not only that, but it's, it's really interesting here. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to make a bigger case, but... Uh, this word, the Hebrew word there for uh, when, when the sons of God, right after it says afterward. So Nephilim were on the earth those days and also afterward. That could also read whenever. Mm. So in other words, it could say the Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also after the flood, whenever the sons of God came to the daughters of man. Yeah. In other words, it happened again. 
Now, this would make a lot of sense to me. And this would explain why God sent Israel to wipe out those specific nations because he promised he wouldn't wipe out the entire world again. Right. So he was keeping his promise about not wiping out the world with the flood again, but still dealing with the problem of the Nephilim infecting the human bloodline. Right, and some people keep... Some people will say, now, wait a minute. No, he tried to wipe out everybody, but he didn't. If you look back at the conquest, he, he tells Joshua to drive some people out mm. and to kill others. Yeah. And the ones that he tells to kill are a lot of these sons of Anak mm. or related other groups. And we throw these words out all the time, like, and we don't know anything about them, like the Hittites and the Jebusites. and the, But some of those people groups were led by by people who you can trace back to people who came from the Nephilim. Wow. Now, the Nephilim, it doesn't necessarily say that that the Nephilim were around after the flood. It's talking about the ancestors yeah. of the Nephilim were around after the flood. Yeah. Now you say, well, now wait a minute. To be honest, that kind of leans more towards the first two explanations. <laughs> sure. The third explanation is kind of, kind of a little bit different, just saying, well, it happened again. Well, it could definitely happen again, uh, right after the flood, but then the it's, it still it still means their ancestors or their descendants. Yeah, because I mean, in the amount of time that it would took for Noah and his family to begin to repopulate and stuff like that, they may have only done that right after the flood, and then generations generations go by. So then it is just the descendants by Abraham's time. So the divine the divine beings aren't giving up. Yeah. They still got the same plan. They're still coming after. Mm. So this is super interesting. Yeah, there you go. There are three really major views. Yeah, and you can read about those in Unseen Realm, but also a lot of other books and ideas that come from mainly from people who study ancient writings, you know, and, and ancient understanding. Because, like I said, this has been a question that's been around for a very long time. I hope that helps a little bit. Um, but at the same time, hey, I learned some stuff. So if I'm going to bank, if I'm going to put my, if I had to put my money on one of those three views, I kind of lean towards the third one. Yeah, more because I think that makes sense out of Genesis six of what it's afterwards. Why the why is the word afterwards even there? After yeah. what? Well, it's got to be the flood, right? I mean, because that's the context. But because it's set, it's setting up the context of why the flood happened. So yeah, mentioning after what I'm about to tell you, this is what happened. And I think it was, I think the flood obviously took care of it to the point of where even when it did come back, it was a lot in a more in a weakened state. And it would seem to, but, to be just relegated to a particular region yeah. in the land of Canaan. Whereas the reason why the flood happened is because it said it was widespread throughout all human civilization. Every one of their thoughts was wicked and corrupt and turned away from God. Yeah. And you can really, there's some really interesting stories when you get into some of the old Babylonian, ancient Babylonian literature. And nice. Gosh, it goes, it goes really uh, side by side with a lot of this. But hey, that was uh, 22 minutes into that. Yeah. It's a good one. <laughs> but, but that was a good one. Now, the next one, we're going to bite off more than we can chew again. And I think this one is a question that we may have to revisit. Uh, but uh, here it is. And no, no, hey, I- can, can I switch things up? Yes, please. Do the third one first. Let's let's break it up with something okay. a little a little light first. I know there's a, a third question that's a little lighter. Here's a third question. It's just a little lighter. Let's maybe. give people a t- chance to breathe. It may not take us 22 minutes, but I don't know. Maybe it will. Uh, what hair products does Pastor Tyler use? Nothing. It's all natural, man. No. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> uh, no, I use pomade. Pomade, what kind? Like, what, you get a brand? You got a favorite brand? Uh, I've switched brands a couple times. I know this sounds <laughs> so stupid, and I sound like a diva by saying it. But, I mean, there is a texture of 
because there's several different types of pomade. Some are stickier, some are a little waxier. So I know the type I want, I like it a little more waxy that like won't make my hair stiff once it dries. But so I there that does determine it a little bit. But honestly, I pick the pomade based on its smell. (laughs) (laughs) By how it smells, because I just like, it just smells good. Yeah, you don't want it to offend yourself. Yeah, because I used, uh, there was an old spice spice pomade that I used for a long time, but then they stopped making it, or made, stopped making that particular one, and like, see, okay, can I, all right, can I get up on my soapbox for about something? Please do. Okay. These hair care product businesses, shampoo, conditioner, you know, things like that. They completely change their lineups like every like three or four years. All the time. And it makes me so mad, yeah. which other people may not be like this. Our listeners right now, you may not be like this where you <laughs> like to switch things up. You like to try new things. I I'm, do not. I, I like that. That's I do me. not. I do not like to change, try new things. <laughs> I like to find what works and then use it for the rest of my natural born life. <laughs> I want, I want them to make a pomade. And I'm right. like, I love it. Keep making that for the next 75 years and I will buy it every single time. But no, it's like in like three years, they'll just discontinue this particular one I'm using and then come out with other ones. And if one of them happens to be what I want, then, you know, bully for me. But if not, then I'm just screwed. <laughs> wow. I'm, <laughs> so, a, I'm a sucker for the packaging, man. Because here's another. If it looks good, I'm going to try it. Because here's another, here's another thing about that. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting on my soapbox. <laughs> There was, there was a brand of, and I won't name the brand, uh, that had made a shampoo and conditioner that uh, it had like almond milk in it or something. And so it smelled like, it was like all, like almond extract. Dude, I love that so much because my mom would make, <laughs> like, because it reminded me of my childhood because yeah. my mom would make sugar cookies and yeah. would put almond extract in it. And it reminded me of that. Every time I'd wash my hair, it would remind me of that. They discontinued it. I even sent them a DM on Instagram asking. Now, what what product is this? Who is it? I, I Do you remember? Should I say the brand? I don't want to like. Call yeah, go ahead. It. It's a uh, Garnier. Okay. Garnier yeah. Fructis. Uh, I think it was. All, almond essence or something. Okay. They just stopped making it. I'm going to find that for you. And so I actually, I found like a German version of it on Amazon <laughs> and it was like $30 a bottle. I'm like hard pass, <laughs> but man, it just smells so good. And then they stopped and I sent a DM, never responded. It was like the account for North America. Wow. Their what service cold, is cold horrible. Shoulder. So I, I still like don't know what type of shampoo or it conditioner It was called Almond... Almond essence, I essence. think. It just sounds good. Anyway, it smelled amazing, dude. Hey, on Sunday morning, right after Pastor Tower gets done with the sermon, Dump. go up and say, hey, good sermon, and then you sniff his hair. <laughs> and say, mm, almond essence. Please get my permission before you do that. <laughs> Please ask, may I smell your hair? I'll most likely say yes. That's a good plan. Hey, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take a little break. And I actually, we got an incredible interview coming up. I want you to listen to that interview first with some people that are new to our church and involved in mission field called Luda and Heather. And I really would love for you to hear that. And then come back and, and uh, right after that interview, and we'll be back again with the next question. Yep, sounds good. And here's the next question, and that is talking about determinism. Does God actually predetermine, you know, or that's kind of almost a... Like pre the predestination yeah, question. Pre, yeah. Does God predestine de- all things or? Yeah. So you determine ahead of time who's going to heaven and who's going to hell. Yeah. And, and PT's got some great answers. So we'll be back with that in just a little bit. 
Hey listeners, just a quick note. Hey, due to time, we are not going to be able to present that second question we just talked about, about determinism with uh, Pastor Tyler. Instead, we'll be airing that in the next episode in two weeks. So check back in and enjoy this next interview. Hey, welcome to Spotlight here on Do Hope Underground. And this is an opportunity where we have to sit down with someone in the church or one of our staff and just have a discussion and see what is God doing in their lives. And I have some people with me today who are kind of brand new coming here to New Hope. And that's what is exciting Talk to be able to have a chance to talk to them, get to know them better. I'll let you introduce yourself. Yes, I'm Luda. I'm from Belize originally. Uh, I'm, I've been up here a couple couple of months, almost a year now. Um, Awesome. Yeah. And you brought with you somebody. Uh, my wife. <laughs> more, li- more than likely, she brought me. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. <laughs> you follow her around. Right. I got gotcha. you. You're a smart man. Uh, well, I've had a lot of advice from smart people. <laughs> good, good going. Why don't you introduce yourself? I'm Heather, and I'm from Nioga. Awesome. And Luda and Heather, how long have you been married? Since November. Oh, my gosh. Really so newlyweds. Fresh. Yeah. Yeah, newlyweds. Really new. So that, that's why you're saying you're still, you know, follow her, yes, dear, whatever she says. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Usually she gives me a little pinch. That is not what happens. <laughs> that's not what happens at all? No. Okay. Well, you know, Ed, t- t- what, if he says that, use it to your advantage. Pinch him as much as you yeah. need to, you know. Well, hey, hey I'm, really, I'm really glad you guys have decided to join me today. I, before we kind of jump into anything, just give us a little background. You said you're from Belize and you're from Nioga. All right. That's a few miles away. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. how did how long have you been in the States? Um, back and forth since 2016. Um, okay. Doing mission trips and stuff. And this time I came up and I never left. So, almost a year now. Okay, great. Yeah. Now, how did you two meet then? I mean, that's that's an odd, that's got to be an odd story, I would think. A very good one. <laughs> so, we both worked for Thirst Missions last summer and we led trips in Kentucky and met that way. Thirst Missions. So you, you basically were leading mission trips? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And do you work for Thirst Missions? Yes. Uh, I've been there a little over 10 years now. Okay. Um, they started in 2008. And when they started in 2008, I volunteered a lot of the summers. And then after I graduated from school, I just went went right into it. Now, did you go to school here or in Belize? Uh, in, or? Belize. in Belize. Yeah. So uh, was it like a like a mission type school or was it no it was different but okay. they went to my church the first year um that's pretty much where they started and okay. i volunteered my time just to help out and you know serve as i could well, that's then, fantastic yeah. you've been doing this quite a while yes very long time and so you come up on come up here to one of these trips and heather happened to be there yeah Is that what happened yeah pretty much yeah. It's, <laughs> a, it's a funny story because we were so close to each other all the time um every time for some reason she was just a couple hours away or just a couple of miles away and the situation was always she was always there all the time we just never knew just never knew yeah well that's so cool so when did you finally meet them where, where were you at yeah so i've been to belize two times before meeting him not on the staff side on the mission trip side and then i got hired as staff last summer and they started a new location in the Appalachian Mountains in Kentucky, and we had one team together last summer, so we met through that. All right, let me get this straight. <clears throat> you you went to Belize two or three times mm-hmm. on missions, never met him. Right. In his home country. 
In his hometown. Yeah. In his hometown. Even in his hometown and still yeah. never met him. Yeah. But then you meet him in Kentucky, of all places, and you're in the Appalachian Mountains. Yes. <laughs> That's yes. that's so. It has to be a God thing, right? Definitely. Yeah, we'd miss each other by either a week or a couple of days or just a couple of steps down the road. That is so cool. What is now? Can you explain Thirst Missions to me a little bit? Because that's that's interesting. I mean, we've had uh, well people here at our church going short term trips every once in a while, and we've had quite a few people in our church who have been very active different mission fields. I'm just kind of curious uh, your experience. Right. Um, so we pretty much set up all the logistics and all behind the scenes stuff for teams. Um, a lot of times when teams go, like, you know, if they go on their own, they need to figure out food, transportation, uh, places that they're going to stay, people who they're going to partner with. And so what we do pretty much is we have applications that pastors and churches and communities go through. Um, we have uh, over 100 of those each year. And what we try to do is we try to find teams and churches who have the same visions, the same goals. And in order for them to have like the best week that they can, we match them up with the strengths that the teams have. Oh, cool. Right. That's awesome. So it's, there's a little bit of uh, intentionality. Yes. Um, so we believe in partnering. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of times, you know, there's teams who want to go for like a week and that's fine. But we also want that partnering and that discipleship to happen. Uh, we believe that the most effective way of doing mission trip is partnering with someone and having that community with them all the time. So that's pretty much the main core of what Thirst is. Well, where is Thirst active at? I mean, you mentioned Belize, you mentioned Kentucky, but are there other places that... Uh, Puerto Rico and Alaska. Okay. Yeah, those are the other ones that we do. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. So has that been like long-term relationships that Thirst has had with churches and people, or or, or they just have their own organization and of themselves, or do they work with people on the ground? Does that make sense? Uh, it's an organization. Um, like I said, we do a lot of teams uh, from different churches, both Canada and from the U.S., and based on where they want to go, if they want to do, like, a hard trip, then they'll pick the location that they want to. If they want to do something local, then we'll do something local, either Puerto Rico, Alaska, or Appalachia Mountains uh, this year. But you partner with some churches that are in those regions. Right, Yeah. right. Um, the basic part of what we do is we try to have uh, connections with churches that are already working in their communities already, and we offer that support. So by teams coming in, cool, yeah. it supports the church that's on the ground all year round. Right, so it's not just a short term. Right. In that regard. Right. Yeah. Because short term is encouraging somebody who's there long term. Yes. yes. That's fantastic. Exactly so. so how did you get involved to begin with, Heather? Uh, my mom led a mission trip to Belize I think 2014, um, and that was in Orange Walk, his town. So we partnered with the church. We did a VBS, sports ministry. We did some construction work, very little construction work. <laughs> um, and then You're not a big construction girl? No. Okay. And that's one of the good things about Thirst is it works with your skills. Um, and then I led a trip back in 2016 to a children's home in Belize, and I applied back then for staff, and I got it five years later. That's awesome. So was most of your work in Belize with children's homes then? Like, um, no, it was on, they only ever did one children's home, right? A couple. A couple, okay. And only for a few years. Okay. So they, they focus on mainly churches, and then it's not just, uh, you know, say they do an outreach event like a VBS, and these kids hear about Jesus, but then they have nowhere to go for a year until another mission team comes. They have that church discipleship for, from there on. Well, that's fantastic. So what about what about Kentucky, the work you guys are doing in Appalachia? What was unique about that? 
Yeah, um, we work with a with a farm, Shekinah. Um, yeah, we worked at a place called Echo. It was a community outreach center. They had a thrift store, food pantry, um, VBS. Did a lot of sports ministry. There's some real low income areas. Yeah, you know, in Appalachia. We worked in a little uh, community that was a mining community. Yeah, and pretty much everyone left. All the and jobs are gone. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so they're trying to build back the community. Like the people in that area, the churches are trying to build back the community, trying to bring people together and so we offered that support to help them out at the farm uh they had like horses and pet uh pet stuff like that uh veterinary yeah that's um, awesome like that. yeah now luda what is your specific role uh, i'm a trip leader okay uh, with hers i've led close to 100 trips in all of my lifetime so you're um, the guy that puts up with all these groups and uh it's it's good it's kids awesome. and <laughs> yeah it's awesome um we have teams that are about seven all the way to 100. Uh, this year, we're this coming month, we're going to be leading a team in Puerto Rico that is about 90 people. Um, so we yeah. usually have like three to four staff on a team, and we try to make sure that all the bases and all the grounds are covered and have all the teams, you know, get what they need for that week. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Now, what is your role? Heather? I'm the assistant leader, so I do what uh, he says. <laughs> I see. So in the marriage... You do what she says, yes. but on the job, she has to do what you say. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good arrangement. That's a good arrangement. <laughs> well, well I, I guess what I'm curious about more than anything, you know, kind of hearing about this a little bit more and being, having some experience with mission organizations and trips and things I've done before myself, always came back with some incredible stories. I mean, just things I saw that just kind of blew you away, you know, because and doing some things, even in Appalachian America, is just totally different than going to third world, you know, areas. Uh, so all those comparisons fly through my head. But some of the stories of the people, of course, that I met, and also stories of some of the kids we took, you know, how it changed their lives and their views. I'm just kind of curious, can you guys give me maybe one story apiece of how uh, your mission experience has really affected you or maybe something just you really kind of hold on to still? All right. Um I guess the one that would stand out would be my personal life and how I got involved with it. Um, there are so many stories each week. Like every time you're with a team, there are so many different people, different backgrounds, different goals, different missions and stuff that they want to achieve for that week. And so it's really hard to pinpoint one specific one mm. because they're all mm. so amazing. But I guess the one that I need to say pretty much what it is, is how I got involved when I was like seven years old. Um, I had never seen fair-skinned people. I'm brown. Yeah, gotcha. And so there was like a team that came to my house and they... They freak you out, man, these Americans. I mean, I've seen them on TV all the time. (laughs) That's about it. And it it was awesome because, you know, you see them, you see movie stars, you see Mm -hmm. people who set a good role in your life and you're like, oh, those people are amazing. They're awesome. And so when a team went to my door and they banged on my door, I was like, wow. Hollywood stars. <laughs> and they had invited me to go to a VBS. I didn't know what it was. I was seven. I was a kid. And they said, it's just down the road. And so I asked my mom permission. And she's like, yeah, you can go. And so I went there that week, that entire week, every evening. And it was one of the most amazing time in my life, seeing puppet shows. You know, VBS is all out. Yeah. And I remember sitting on the ground looking at a show that was Noah's. And I was like, I want to be like those people when I grow up. 
Mm. And fast forward so many years after I'm doing what they did. And so I feel like going on, on a mission trip isn't just a short time, like a short term thing. It's something that happens. It has that ripple effect further down the road. Yeah. And how many kids are you affecting now? Right. We're going to be in your position later. Yeah. yeah. A lot of times people think, you know, you just go for a week and you leave, but you don't know the impact that you do on the people that you serve with that week. That's so awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. It is frustrating. People on a short term trip, because you're only there for a week or two and you think, what did we do? You know, yeah. when you get back and you feel like it was really overwhelming. Yeah. The needs, you know, for sure. But uh, you're saying that they do make an impact. They do. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember their names. Uh, I don't remember their faces, mm. but I do remember that they changed my life for a long time. That's fantastic. What about you, Heather? Get a story for me. Yeah. So when um, when I led a trip back in 2016, we went to a children's home in Belize, and there were about 20 kids there, and my parents were actually on the trip, and we met four biological sisters, and when they left, my parents were like, "We, you know, we feel called to these kids, so... At that time, we were told that Belize doesn't do international adoptions, and there was really no point, but my dad's very stubborn, and my mom follows along. No. Yes. Your dad's stubborn? Very. Never knew that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, I did. Okay, go yeah. ahead. Um, so they started the adoption process, and five years later, the girls came here, and we're still working on finalizing the adoption, but um, it's not all. I don't want to paint it as some beautiful, like, movie picture because it's not and adoption has a lot of heartbreak with it and a lot of brokenness with it but it's a cool story of how jesus puts kids in families and mm. redeems everybody's stories do you have some little sisters now? i do have some little sisters and he actually met them back when he led trips there so really yeah yeah that's amazing so he met them before he met you yeah yeah, yeah a long time before <laughs> he met me that's crazy that's crazy what is it about jesus that makes you want to keep going so I love that Jesus meets us where we are. He doesn't wait for us to be perfect. He doesn't wait for us to get up to his standards. He mm. comes and meets us where we are. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about mission work too is we have to go disciple these people just like he said. He said, go into all the nations and disciple these people in my name. And that's what he does for us too. That's fantastic. What about you, Luna? Uh It goes down to that part in the Bible where he says he came down as man to show us that. He mm. can do it. And if he can do it, then we can too. And I think the the hardest thing for most of us is trying to be better, but we don't know where to start. And I feel like he pretty much set the pace for us. Mm. That's fantastic. Yeah, I really appreciate that. I'm I'm kind of curious as to since you guys are, you know, knee deep in this work, and I'm guessing I'm guessing you you told me that maybe you'll be gone all summer. So is this an all is this basically a summer type of commitment or do you work all year round or how's it work it's all year round and so we have teams that go down in the summer winter um spring you know pretty much wherever you can set up your time to go off like you know you set it up it's an all year round mission trip it's whatever you want the size of team you want the amount of days you want whatever it is you sign so it you kind of get assigned a group according to your giftedness i'm guessing right. and and also where you feel called to go yeah much. Uh, where are you going this summer Alaska. Alaska? Yes. I thought it was Puerto Rico for some reason. I had it the back of my changed. head. It's changed since then. Yeah. Wow. We'll do Puerto Rico in April. Well, that'll be cool. Yeah. So, you know, have a mission to polar bears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or moose. 
Almost. <laughs> that'd, that'd be that'd be really cool. Are you looking forward to it? Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, it'd it's be good. a different experience for you, I would think. Um, yeah, different people, different circumstances, different environment. Uh, we just gotta adapt to it and see what we can do the best we can. Man, right when the weather gets nice here, you're gonna take off to Alaska. I like the cold. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> and you're from Belize. Yeah. Oh man. And most of us would be like, man, I wish I was in Belize right now. Hey, let me let me ask you this. What are you guys praying for right now? What do you think, like us here at New Hope, should be praying for when it comes to missions? Any answer? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know you do. I'm just joking. We do. Um, well, first of all, we're praying for a marriage. Um, we're hoping God is the center. Mm. of all things like we say he's the center but sometimes you know as human beings we're like this is kind of rough mm. and so at the end of the day we want him to be the center of everything that we do so that's our number one marriage um, just everyday life you know just just, you can't go out and do something that that uh, is not real in your real in you right yeah so we have a little system that we set up um at night i pray and in the morning she prays and we figure out you know, that God is in the center of everything, at the beginning, at the end. That's awesome. What about people that are on the field and in thirst? What can we be praying for there? Uh, strength, encouragement. A lot of times they get weak and they mm. have thoughts, you know, is this something that I'm called for? Is this something that I should really be doing? A lot of times they have the hard decisions that they got to make and they got to put whatever God has placed in their heart first for them. Um, in the Bible, it always says God is first, and then everything comes second and third and fourth. And sometimes when you're on the field, yeah, it's challenging. You're running the race, and right? You start to get tired. Yeah. So I think sometimes we see we kind of glorify missions in the American church. Sometimes, oh, I wish I could go there, go there. It's like, no, I don't. <laughs> you know, if you're really if you're really about sharing Jesus and and just helping and loving on people, it's work. Yeah, it's not like just. It's not in your comfort zone. Yeah. You got to step out to really see what's going on. Yeah, and it's and it's shocking when you come back how it can change you. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, you sometimes some of us are just trapped in our own little world here in Central Illinois. Yeah, and the most important thing is when you come back, you don't let that fire burn off. Mm. A lot of times you'll be on a, a mission trip high, and you go back home, you'll be on it for like a week or two yeah. or a month, and after that, you just settle back into your life. It's important to be like you know, I went on a mission trip; it was eye opening. But keep that fire burning as much as you can all the time, either in your church, with your friends, with your family. Keep that burning. Well, and don't, would you agree with me that some of the, my experience has taught me too that God's got it? Yeah. You know, sometimes we think we're kind of all, we have to be all things to all people, and you just can't. Mm -hmm. And the overwhelming sense of I can't do everything. I I came in, you know, with this trip with this idea that I'm going to help somebody and then I realize the needs are just too great but yeah. but God's got a whole church you know around the globe yeah we're, not we're, we're not doing a mission trip like a business trip we're not in control <laughs> of everything we're just there to be the hands and the feet at the end of the day he's the one who shines through everything that's awesome that's fantastic Heather do you want to add anything to what we're praying about yeah um well I just want to piggyback off what he said at the beginning of every week he'll tell the teams this you know, mission trips are great because it gets you outside of your comfort zone. and gets mm -hmm. you outside of the box. You get to see things from a different perspective, but they don't end at the end of the week. So people listening, thinking, well, I can't do a mission trip right now at this time in my life or whatever it is. You, that doesn't mean that you can't be on mission where you are. So you can, you can, you know, the things we do like um, sports ministry or VBS or just 
one-on-one discipling, you can do all that right here too. That's awesome. So, yeah. It's not like it, it's only for people out there, but right. people right here. That's fantastic. You know, what's been really cool is you guys just started kind of coming to New Hope. Yeah. yeah that, that's a new experience for you in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. So how's it going? How do you like us? We like it a lot. <laughs> yeah. Put you on the spot. Hey, how do you like us? And you're talking to everybody at New Hope on the <laughs> podcast. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. Good. I think there is a lot of, a lot of room for us to like incorporate ourselves into. Um, we're looking at the website, and there's so many activities. Um, that's important for us. That's pretty much what drew us here, especially like the sermons and stuff like that. It's it's on point. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we're glad to have you here. Yeah, that's for sure. And <clears throat> I think there's, I guess I. Of course, I, I always speak ahead of where I should be. That's just one of my faults. Me and, too. But, but I, yeah, you're, you're with me. But I can just see, like, uh, we're at a, a time, too, where we've got um, several, you know, like I said, short-term trips that we've done in the past. A couple of them have, have halted because of COVID, and we're trying to get things back up and going. But I can just see uh, you two, you know, really be able to give us some insight on what we're doing with that, too. So, I've, you know... I'm praying God will have his way and his will with whatever the future is. Yeah. But I really appreciate you guys being on the show. And I'll just be honest, I'm looking at my notes because I'm going to make sure I didn't forget something, that's for sure. Yeah. I guess uh, I guess we're kind of ended with this last question, if you don't mind. And that is this. What do, you, what do you see God doing in the coming years? I mean, this world's a mess right now, you know, with war and everything else that's going on, uh, economy. But we, you know, we trust, you know, God, God has it. But what, what do you think are some of the biggest, say, barriers or challenges? I think challenges is a better word. Biggest challenges that are out there for, for, the, for the, the church at large, the mission field at large. Um, I think it's really easy for the church at large to see all the obstacles and all the things that are getting in the way of their personal relationship with Jesus and then the church as a whole. So whether it's COVID and not being able to go to church or not being able to disciple and you see your family and all those things, or if it's um, finances or war, like these things have been around since the beginning Mm. and they're not going to stop. But also discipleship didn't start with us. It's not going to end with us. Mm. So my prayer would be, and what I think will continue to happen is that the kingdom will continue growing and, it may not be in massive ways that, you know, like a big revolution that we all want to see happen, but in those day-to-day lives. Yeah. It's amazing how God grows his kingdom despite what we see as good soil. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, but the persecutions way back in the day were the ones, things that really spread the gospel, you know. So, yeah, you're right. To be reminded that the there's a, it's not all about the what's happening in the world as much as what is it God actually doing, and he is doing some things. What would you say, Luda? Yeah, um, there's a text in the Bible, I'm trying to remember the reference to it, but there's uh, pretty much what it says, everything that happens on earth, the stars have already seen. Mm. Um, and at the end of the day, the one who always triumphs and the one who always comes out shining is God. Um, the Bible is there. There's a bunch of stories. They might not be in the same time as now, but they're similar the mm-hmm. things that we're going through and i don't think we should be scared we should just read and put our faith in him and follow his will and we'll we'll be okay that's all you're so right when you look at the bible it's like trials and tribulations like you were saying heather have been around since the beginning of time it's not like it's 
anything new. Yeah. It's just, like, it's new to us. It's new right. to us, yeah. <laughs> and at, this, at the end of the day, we just got to put our faith, faith in God and be the best that we can all the time. Well, what would you, I said that was the last question, but I lied. So here we go. Next, I didn't really lie, but I just came up with this. I'm curious, do you guys have like a favorite scripture you kind of like hang things on for yourself? Um, I have two. Okay, go ahead. Uh, defend. You can only have one. No, I know, I know. No, two's fine, two's fine. I'm not going to tell you where they're from, though. Um, That's okay. One is, defend the weak and the fatherless, uphold the cause of the poor and oppressed. That's mm. what I feel like God has told me to do with my life. And then the other is, when you go through deep waters, I'll be with you. Mm. So even though things are hard, even though things are challenging, like we're not in it alone. Wow, really good. Hope everybody's listening. And even though she didn't tell you where they're at, go dig it out and find it. <laughs> it's good stuff, though. Luda, what do you think? I don't have a specific verse. I have a specific chapter. It's Psalm 91. Mm. And it's kind of long. Not too long, but it's kind of long. And the only way you could understand what the entire chapter is saying is by reading the entire chapter. So it's Psalms 91, verses 1 to 16. Okay. Good. I like that kind of challenge. Everybody read. You know, get it out and read. Psalm 91. You're, you're make, I'm just going through my head. What is that? What is that? What is that? Yeah. I can't recall, so... It's Thanks. Good. It's good stuff. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get on that right away. Yeah. Hey, thank you guys. I really appreciate you being on. And I think it's, I just think it's cool. It's an opportunity for people here at New Hope just while they're walking their dog or, you know, driving their car to pop us in, listen to New Hope Underground and get an idea of, of uh, just, just who's coming here and who God is putting together for the sake of the body here at New Hope and also for the sake of the kingdom. And that's what it's all about. Thanks, guys. No problem. Hey, thanks for listening to another great episode of New Hope Underground. We'll be back in a couple weeks. Stay tuned.